Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Girls No Filter. I'm Jess Wright and I'm here with my best girls, Gab. Hey guys. And Cowbell. Hello. So this week we're going to be discussing between the three of us careers and our jobs or jobs we'd love, jobs we'd hate, whatever, just everything about kind of careers because we've all been quite good like we've always been career women haven't we us three we've, we've all been to uni and we kind of got jobs straight away and everything else so I just think we it's have, quite we've all gone in very different directions haven't we so I suppose it's interesting to talk about how we sort of ended up where we are Absolutely. yeah we've had quite a few messages about this topic like from people listening in and and sending us messages saying can we talk about our careers and work and working life so yeah it's quite a nice subject to touch on actually because we we kind of talk about our careers but we haven't really focused in on them have we and you're right Kel we all have done such different stuff yeah without sounding like really like you know but like women are kind of I suppose settling down later and working for longer and Mm. and focusing more on their careers than them maybe in the past yeah exactly should we start with Gab and your journey because you are in a corporate world and Jess and I aren't so I suppose mm-hmm. for lots of people they might feel they can relate to you like who have written into us they might feel they can relate to you or you know your situation a bit more than me and Jess I feel like I'm interviewing you now Gab how did you get to where you are <laughs> so I went to university which, do you know what? I think I always say this to you girls. If my son or daughter said, Mum, I want to go to university, I don't think I would advise them to go nowadays, actually. I feel like yeah, uni I'm was a massive waste of time. Do you? Yeah. Yeah. It depends what field, I guess, the person wants to go into. If they want to be a doctor or, you know, yeah. something like that, then obviously they need the qualifications and also the, the experience and all that kind of thing. But I know what you mean. I think if my child is unaware of what they want to do and I can tell they're more of a... I guess in the arts, opposed to academic, then yeah, I kind of agree. Even academic though, Gab, you're right. I feel like so many people now just go straight out of school and get a really good job and work their way up. Yeah, and I just feel like that's what you look for like in an interview process. I feel like we all had different experiences though at uni because you two kind of stuck together, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> Jessica and I did not live out our university lives in the right way, really, did we, love? Oh, I don't know. We kind of did. No, you didn't. We you were did back here not. Every we went weekend. to about four classes out of a hundred. No, we didn't. We got we came up with amazing qualifications, so that wouldn't be possible. But what we did do is, <laughs> me and Gabby have. Always, I mean, the, the seven of us have always been so so close. But me and Gabby decided that we weren't going to go uni on our own. Wherever we went, we were going together. And um, so we got there. <laughs> we got to our dorms, and well. You can imagine. I mean, you know, it was all right. It wasn't bad, was it, Gab? But, um, yeah, we'd end up going out three nights a week, driving down. (laughs) The funniest thing is we would go on a Tuesday. Funky Buddha in London I loved going to. So I would drag Gab and we'd go in a KA. One of our KAs, (laughs) both had a KA. One of us would bomb it down the motorway at the speed of light, (laughs) straight to Funky Buddha. I would lie to my boyfriend at the time. I'd pretend I was under a cover going to sleep, but actually I was under my puffer jacket go into funky buddha rock in there rock out and then i think dad would you drive us all the way back to northampton or did we I go think home we used to drive back to northampton we were just How always been london girls haven't we we were just like you could take the girl out of essex but you could yeah or london well, well, we we the next day, we'd sleep in and miss it <laughs> <laughs> honestly do you remember spanish we used to go spanish i forgot we did spanish at uni actually as a module that explains did why we? we're pretty good at it i don't remember that 
Don't you what? Don't you remember I the woman? Oh God, it was honestly we we did everything together. So that was our experience. But then for the second and third year, we changed unis, didn't we? I went back down to Westminster and lived at home, and you went to UCL. UEL and lived at home. UEL <laughs> and lived at home. Yeah. So we basically yeah got in a load of student loan debt, and then yeah, yeah. exactly bloody debt. That's the only thing I feel like university is good for. Like, if you go away and do it properly, then I think it's a really good life lesson. Like, living on your own, having to make friends with other people, like, being outside of your comfort zone, etc. But if you're going to go to university and live at home, which is what Jess and I did for the second and third years, and went on to do things that we really didn't need to do, <laughs> we really didn't need a university degree for, to be honest. I feel like it was just a complete waste of time and money. But yours was advertising, Gab, wasn't it? And you are in advertising and mine marketing. Yeah, but... And I kind of am, I suppose, in self-marketing. <laughs> I <don't know. laughs> but I have, you know, businesses and stuff like that. The funniest thing is, strangely enough, my dissertation, the 10,000-word dissertation, I chose to do it on celebrity endorsement, which is so mental because that was years before... I was in yeah, the public you, eye. Yeah, of course. The only real celebrity endorsement then was like J-Lo, her perfume, or like uh, Britney for <laughs> Diet Pepsi or whatever it was. So I did it on that and how the effects of a celebrity endorsing a product can help sell it. I mean, I think that is mental because I didn't ever think at that point, like, I mean, I was doing a marketing and business yeah. degree to work in a corporate job, but it was so how weird. funny that yeah. you went on to then do that. I did something like the representation of women in advertising in my really? And that's like you. Yeah, I suppose, a little bit. Well, you are a woman in advertising. Well, that's what I you'd mean, always hope to be. <laughs> yeah. I think Kel got the experience, really, that none of us had when you went away to live in Hong Kong. Yeah, but she lived in London, didn't she? And then... Yeah, but I was at yeah. Westminster as well. Like, Jess, I went to University of Westminster, but then, yeah, moved away for part of my degree to Hong Kong, like you say. And I think that, for me, that was a highlight of my whole degree and did kind of try and experience the uni life and but it was in London and we'd always experienced London life growing up hadn't we we'd always gone out like like you say mm -hmm. just we did funky butter on a Tuesday we <laughs> yeah. did all China all the clubs. on a Wednesday yeah, yeah. so I, I was used to like clubbing in London going out in London and like shopping and all of that so um <laughs> and it, I mean <laughs> what are you so laughing just at remembering Gabby didn't even want to go to the clubs, but she, she, came. she and the whole way. No, but she would like kind of want to, but really wouldn't really care. And I'd be like, "We're going," and we'd be on the motorway. I'd be doing my makeup, and she'd be driving along, half fuming that she'd been made to drive. How long did it take you to get from Northampton? You wouldn't have to even drank, Gab, because <laughs> you were driving. We must have swapped. Surely. No. No, it was a I you, swear girl. that I was only bombing up and down that motorway for you to go and meet a boy. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Oh, the memories. I don't think either of us cared about the clubbing. <laughs> In my blue KA. I think I even had the blue one at that point. Yeah, because you had black as well, didn't you? Yeah, I wrote off the blue one and then got a black one. <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> but, Kel, do you feel like that Hong Kong experience, like, did enrich your life? Do you feel like it set you up differently in life or not really? Like, do you oh, think, would you yeah, do yeah. the experience again if you could live it over? 
Oh God, yeah, living abroad, I think is amazing and I would always encourage anyone to do it. And that's why I think for me, yeah, that, that was the highlight of my university experience and I would always encourage, I think I'd encourage my children to do to go into further education just, yeah, for that reason, for the experiences it gives you, you know. Jess has probably got Sorry. the giggles now about the old days. Bombing up and down in the KA. Gabby's sat there I'm thinking now with about... a blanket over her head I don't... <laughs> to try and Gabby keep the right sound now, the just to paint a picture, has got a blanket <laughs> over her head. She's at her mum's house with a barking dog in the background because the house is being renovated at home. So it's too noisy at home, but it's too noisy at her mum's where she is because the dog's there. And she's got a blanket over to try and soften the sound going into no the No kitchen, I mean... no living room. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is my life. Yeah, you look like you're struggling right now, Gav. Plus seven months <laughs> pregnant. If only I could have a glass of wine, Just eh? To top it off, exactly. Never mind. Yeah. Not but long back now, to Gav. career stuff. So we've all taken quite different paths, haven't we? So after my stint at university in inverted commas, <laughs> which it really wasn't. Um, oh, God, no, we I, uh... <laughs> Oh, God, Jess. <laughs> Get it all out, girl. When we went Morrison's. <laughs> Iceland, and we had, the car. The car was parked about a mile from the door, <laughs> and we had to carry the we had to carry the bags in the rain, and we were fuming. And we used to stop at shop at Iceland and Morrison's because we didn't have any money, and we'd fill up free free <laughs> Do you remember we had the frozen pies, food? I remember that, frozen chicken And those pies. boys, I'm not going to say their name, but the boys that we knew at uni came in and they went, who shops at Iceland? And we <laughs> felt like such cheap hosts. <laughs> Sorry oh, for so anyone that shops at Iceland. We all did <laughs> No offence, yeah. <laughs> so we could afford that then. Oh, um, yeah. Honestly. So Crying. after the university stint, I got myself work experience in an advertising agency and it's literally, oh, do you know what, though? That first advertising agency I worked in, it was a, it was a big one. It was kind of well-known. <laughs> Have you ever seen Mad Men? Yeah, I love Mad Men. So imagine, like, Mad oh, yeah, Men yeah, yeah, yeah. not that long ago. So, like, that that kind of toxic culture, mm. really male-dominated. It was still alive in this advertising agency, like, really horrible bitchy girls wearing, like, Louboutins to work. I used to wear my Ugg boots there uh, and, like, all the girls hated I me, like, in the Louboutins. Yeah. <laughs> can we you imagine? Can imagine? Oh, I, I mean, what I was thinking. Um, so you didn't feel like you fit in? No, what I didn't. What makes me laugh, with you, sorry to interrupt you just quickly, is you grew up as this actress that was, like, the most dramatic person, right? You could sing, you could dance, you could act. And it just makes me laugh that you... I feel like the reason you do, you don't want your kids to go to uni is because you're going to make them live your dream. <laughs> you're going to live through their dream. Your dream them through them. Drama school. Well, yeah. if my kids say I want to go to drama school, I'll be sending them. But then you'll be so jealous that it's not you. <laughs> so you'll be yeah, resenting no, I'll be fuming. Them. Well, that's what me and my sister are like when we watch my niece like in yeah. theatre shows and stuff. We're both sat there in tears, half like overwhelmed with joy and half jealous. <laughs> Half wanting to get up on that stage and it rip her down from it. <laughs> but then you've ended up in advertising. So it's just so yeah. weird, isn't it? But you're so good at your job as well, which is, like, obviously amazing. Oh, thanks, girls. Well, I guess a bit of why... I think it helps if you've got that background in presenting because it's never something I've struggled with, presenting. And I think it is because of that background, you know? 
And what, like acting? When I present, in, well, like, yeah, like acting. Like when I present and I'm in meetings, I'm not myself, I'm playing a character. Does that make, mm. does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, oh, like, I bet you you've got about 10 at work. I could just imagine. Do it. you do that though? Do you do no? Like, protect- but I should probably should because that's a really good technique, I reckon, for like stage fright, isn't it? Yeah, it's not you. You're playing a character. It's almost like a scene in a film that you're acting out. Yeah, that's kind yeah. Of how I think, I think about you it. you tend to do that at work anyway. You have like your work voice, your work character, don't you? Like, I think you do that even if you're not in an actual presentation. I think you do it to a certain extent. And also, like, what groups of people you're hanging around yeah. with, for instance, who you go for, you, you're kind of a different version of yourself with different exactly, people. yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, like, I've only yeah, realised exactly. that growing you up, You do it actually. to kind of make other people feel comfortable as well, though, don't you? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. But that environment was really male-dominated. And I, do you know what? It's always kind of stuck with me about working for men versus working for women. And I don't know what you girls how you feel about this, but I've always preferred working for women. Yeah, 100%. But I, think it's, I actually think it's harder working for women, but I've always preferred it because I feel like with men, and this is a mass generalisation, obviously, mm. in my experience, men are non-emotional, women are emotional. This is a, this is a mm. massive generalisation. But I yeah. need that emotion like from women back. I need that. Mm. Like, I don't do very well with someone who doesn't show it. Yeah, like, I feel more understood by a woman boss than a man boss. I just feel like if I had an issue or anything, I just feel like the woman normally understood me more. But yeah. But then saying that, I guess... What do you think, yeah. Kel? Yeah, well, I've, I've had a really different situation to you in, in my working life, haven't I? So it, I haven't had lots of jobs and I haven't had any real jobs in I mean my most sort of corporate position was when I was working at House of Fraser in the head office and I worked for like directly under a woman but there were lots of men in that environment and on like on our team as well but I haven't had lots of positions working for either men or women so for most of my life I've worked for a woman one woman and Mm. we had much more of a friendship than it was based on a friendship, you know, our working relationship. It didn't start like that. It started as her being my boss. But, I mean, you, you can become friends, I think, a lot, well, maybe a lot easier, I felt, with her anyway, with a woman. But, yeah, I guess it's... it's. <laughs> Jess is still <laughs> giggling <laughs> away. <laughs> Jess is still giggling away you've about the drive to Morrison's all... in Iceland. No, you've made me think of all the jobs we had growing up. And, Gab, for some reason, I look at you and it... I think of you in all these roles, like when you did when you did the silver service. <laughs> when you did the it's jolly all got her to where she is now. Waited it from the waitrose, and then when I'll we tell did, you, to... I've grafted my life. Let oh, me tell you, literally. <laughs> I think we've all worked pretty hard. Like we've all always Geo's had a job. Bar, haven't we? we used to be pot collectors. Yeah, we were too young to serve drinks. So we were pot collectors together because, of course, we had to do everything together. And we used to hide in the back shed because for about 10 minutes to get a break. What's everyone's worst jobs been? Like, worst jobs? (laughs) Mine was the same. Probably that. But I was was two doors up from you in another bar. (laughs) We have grafted us a lot, haven't we? I mean, everyone, like, you know, whatever. But we have all had a very big share of, like, growing up jobs. I remember my first job in a candle shop and I got £25 a day. (laughs) What are you telling the story about that one? Um, but yeah, £25 a day. And then I'd go out to Country Club that night and spend the 25 quid. So I literally yeah. worked my ass off from like eight till six on my feet 
fucking hell, it's hard work. And then going to um, the country club that night and spending it. I did the same. I worked in a little card home. shop. I got £20 a day on a Saturday for working in this card shop. I used to have to organise all the cards, you know, anniversary, mm. birthdays, just all by occasion and age and whatever. The owner used to tell me to follow people around as if they were all shoplifters because you just couldn't, you have to assume everyone's going to steal from you. <laughs> it was just awful. <laughs> So I had to just run like round this shop, just checking that no one was putting anything in their pockets. I mean, it's fifty p cards for God's sake! Like, but yeah, it was that <laughs> was not good either. Imagine you <laughs> running around after these people, but, but you had like a bit of a crime kind of situation. Where were you working? <laughs> it was all following around in a card shop to make sure they don't nick. Oh my God! <laughs> the I owner know. must have been really scarred in the past or something for like by shoplifters for them to make you do that. And oh yeah, well I think someone stole a £2.50 ornament once from her and that was it. <laughs> I don't like, yeah, paranoid. Oh, but... survive on that, like, that money? How did we get through a country club night on that? Oh, because it was only £10 to get in and free drink and we'd hitchhike home. Is it? Yeah. yeah. Don't. Oh, don't yeah. I remember. That's why we got so drunk. Oh, drunk. <laughs> Intoxicated. What must we've been drinking? Oh, I remember know. that girl's projectile vomit across the tip. Oh, I tell you what we drank, vodka blackcurrant and lemonade because that girl that I, I won't say her name projectile vomited across the toilet in Sheila's shoes this floor cleaner <laughs> went all over her and then it was purple <laughs> were you in there at the time I don't remember that <laughs> it was like a hurricane of it was, you know projectile oh no oh it was yeah anyway I'm just thinking of all the old things and I've bad really got white wine. I know we used to drink really bad white wine yeah and red really on a night yeah. out don't you remember Lambrini, MD 2020? I remember once I mean, when I was uh, in that first job in that toxic culture advertising agency, one of the male bosses invited me to a meeting and I innocently said, oh, what's my role in the meeting? Thinking that I was important enough to have a role, I wasn't. And he said, you're just there to sit and look pretty. Oh, yeah, and I remember like at that time feeling really flattered because I was like, oh, I'm the pretty girl that they're bringing into the meeting. Like, I, I thought that that was flattering. I remember mm. being really secretly quite pleased about it. And then it was only as I got older and became more aware and educated of this whole movement, I was like, oh, actually, that wasn't okay that he said that to me. So but at the time, yeah, I felt really flattered. I was like, oh, he thinks I'm pretty enough to be brought into the room and not say anything. That's nice. Yeah, that's that crazy, sad? Gab. And what kind of, like, obviously you've seen that change over the last 10 years, I guess. In, the, yeah. in your industry yeah oh absolutely like I think I always struggle a bit when companies strive to get an equal percentage of women in senior management senior leadership positions because even though I wholeheartedly support it my belief is still if the right person for the job is a man then the man should have the job like you you shouldn't I struggle with trying to just up the quota to up the quota you know, yeah. but then I know a lot, probably a lot of people would disagree with me and say it doesn't matter. We still need to be up in the quota to get women into these positions. And I think it's probably more about making sure women at least stand a chance, like as in inviting women to interview and thinking about the gender equality in the whole process from, you know, researching, recruiting, interviewing and all that. And I get that. But I just think if you have a man and a woman in a final position for a role and the man is more qualified, you should pick the man, not pick the woman, because she's a woman. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That's my but point of view. we often talk about this, don't we? I think we that's exactly it. There's a fine line 
between doing the right thing and doing the thing that's right, <laughs> if you know what I mean, doing the right thing so that everyone else thinks, yeah, they look like a good company to work for. Yeah, they're ticking all the boxes. They're following the rules. They're not being prejudiced. But then at the same time, actually, like you say, who's more qualified? Who would be better for that position? But then I think we're going to find this for a long time yet to come. I think like, yeah, obviously we're starting to deal with these topics and situations a lot more now. And like you say, there is a quota to fill in a company like yours in particular. And, you know, lots of other big corporate companies have these quotas that they have to fill. But it's only going to get more obvious and it's just going to be across the board, isn't it, in all industries eventually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, of yeah. course. I think there is a problem with the the pay gap between men and women. Like, that, I think, should be eradicated. Like, I can't understand why a man who's as qualified as a woman in the same role would earn more because he has a penis. Like, that, that doesn't make well, any yeah, sense that's, to that's me. that's, like, a huge I debate, isn't it, that they're trying to yeah, rectify. Exactly. But, um, yeah, that's just beyond me, but... But speaking of the interview process, Kel Bell, our little fashionista, I'd like to pick your brains because mm-hmm. whenever I am, um, like typically back in our day, you always wore a suit to an interview, didn't you? It's like mm-hmm. a shirt and a suit. It would be good for our listeners to know what you think are good like styling tips for interviews because it's something that like, even when I have important meetings at work and stuff, it's always a topic of conversation. Like, you know, what you're going to wear, what you're going to wear to present, mm-hmm. etc. What's your point of view on interview well, styling, my love? Well, they always say dress for the job you want, not the job you have, don't they? So I think mm. you always should dress like your CEO, basically. But if your CEO <laughs> is a 50-year-old man, then ignore that comment. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I think um, really you... It's a hard one, isn't it? Because fashion doesn't really come into that at all. It's well, more... no, I think it's about feeling comfortable, looking professional. So if you're going into a job, whether it be an interview or a pitch or a, yeah, an important meeting or whatever it might be, if you feel comfortable but look like as professional as you as you can then yeah you can't really go wrong I like I say I've never really been in the corporate world so it's very different for me it it totally depends what industry you're in like I was in fashion and so so that there it does matter what you turn up yeah if you want a job in fashion you have to look fashionable you know you have to oh Kel do you know what I couldn't deal with that pressure of working for a fashion brand or fashion company it must have been hell every day thinking what do I wear? All the girls judging no, me on what it, you wear. Was it not no, immense so when pressure? I, so I worked, as you know, for like for the majority of my working life, I've worked for a small retailer and we did personal styling mm. and yeah, like personal shopping appointments, that kind of thing. And so that was, it was literally just me and her. And that's, that was a very relaxed environment. And that's always just been about wearing what we what we stopped what we sold wearing the product that you're selling so it's kind of like made quite easy for you but when I worked at House of Fraser when I was in that position and I I worked in buying and merchandising there it was very different because you're in the head office and it's not really like that people mate it's not at all devil wears prada it's just not it, it's especially because i was on the merchandising team and we're all we we were like the numbers guys you 
just wear what you feel comfortable in and and it's not very fashiony it's we weren't a design team i imagine it was very different at arcadia and topshop head office if you're on the design team like it would be a bit more cliquey and a little bit more like that about what you're wearing and you know and who you're wearing yeah but it wasn't in anything that i've done it's never been like that but i enjoy putting thought into it it's like you know what were you saying the other day? I, I like going to bed and thinking about what I'm going to put on the next day for work. I've always done that. Whatever job I've been in, whether it was when I was working at the card shop, following around shoplifters or, you know, whether it's, you know, what, what I was doing when I was working in fashion and styling, I've always liked going to bed thinking, okay, what am I going to put on tomorrow? What's going to make me feel good? And yeah. I enjoyed that. Me out. But I went for a yeah. um, corporate job interview once and it was for... I don't want to say a finance company. I can't remember now. It was like a really good... Actually, I think I went for the recruitment company interview that was going to get me a job. And I went in and it was a really good recruitment company. And I said um, I wore like a suit. And at the end of the interview, she went to me, um, okay, thanks. Can I just say something? And I was like, yeah. She was like, just as an FYI, I wouldn't hire you right now because you've got black nail varnish on. So I wouldn't wear that in future. Yeah, what? <clears throat> and I was like, oh, okay, okay, sorry. And she was like, no, it's fine. I'm just letting you know that, like, it's not gone down well that you're wearing black nail varnish. So, in other Do words... Do you think oh things have goodness. moved on since then, though? Because Definitely. I think even, even that was probably 10 years ago, was it? Yeah, like, yeah. I reckon 15. Yeah, I think things have changed since then, even though I know that you might think still in that kind of environment, if it's a finance company... They might still think it. I doubt they'd be. I doubt they'd say it. I agree. Like I think they might want you to have like quite neutral nails, like really sort of subtle, no bright color or anything like that. But yeah, I mean, I was really taken aback. I could not work for a company like that. I, like, I just couldn't. If you're going to not hire someone based on their nail color. You should be looking for someone for the credentials they've got if they impressed you in the interview because nail varnish can be taken off. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like I know they're looking for professionalism, but yeah, it was mad. This topic is so interesting because sometimes at work, again, if I've got a meeting or I'm pitching or I'm presenting, I always think about the level of femininity that I dress myself to and how that impacts how people see me. So it's almost like like the level of sexy that you mm. bring at work. I always think about that. You know, like if I wanted to wear a pencil mm. skirt with heels, I would rethink about that if I was wanting to be taken seriously yeah, in a meeting. Yeah, I can see that. That's just the reality. It's almost like how sexy can you can you go? You know, yeah. to be it does. I feel like it yeah, does impact definitely. you. And that's you know, what I mean when I say dress professionally. It's profession. A professional mm. look isn't isn't really. It doesn't cross over with sexy, does it? You just like you. But doesn't it? Like, shouldn't that be? Is that up for judgment? It shouldn't be, really, should it? If a woman's dressed with boobs, you know, a shirt that's tight to her breast and a skirt that's tight to her bum, does that mean she's not dressed professionally? I suppose it just depends how provocative. That's quite interesting, it is, though. Doesn't it? But then, but then again, it's like yeah. really kind of going back to like why why can't we wear a, a skirt that that shapes our bum? Like, but what, then on like, the exactly. other end That's of the spectrum, again, it the wasn't other... that long ago that air stewardesses had to wear a heel, didn't they? Like mm. so, 
now that those rules have been obliterated, you like that's completely disregarded now. You you, I think probably welcome to wear flats, but it was not that long ago that people in that field were encouraged to, yeah, to dress a certain way. Hmm. Yeah. Talking of sexiness at work, have you girls ever? hooked up with somebody in a working environment I haven't but I've always quite liked the idea of it I'm not gonna lie (laughs) yeah (laughs) what about you Gav in a work environment well we know actually massive mistake I started seeing somebody at work one of my first professional jobs and it was utter hell at first it was exciting because it was like you know little stealing glances in the corridor and little messages over email it just gives you something to look forward to I suppose during the working day and then we split up and it turned really ugly and I had this horrible dramatic scene where I remember I was walking to the lift to go up or down wherever I was going all like week he'd been like on my case about whether we were together whether we weren't he was just like not accepting us not being together basically and I remember the elevator doors went to close (laughs) and he slammed his hands in between the the doors and forced them open I was like what are you doing there are people like walking out about and he was like I can't take any more of this I need to know what's going on in the middle of this elevator people walking around just a normal day dramatic moment yeah I bet you loved it. Obviously, 50% of me was like, this is like the notebook Um, (laughs) in a corporate world. (laughs) And 50% of me was like, I'm never going to get promoted here ever. And yeah, it was just, it was just awful. And then after that, it, it completely finished. And then everybody knew. So it was like every time we were like in the canteen together or in a room together, everyone else was building the tension around us and it was awful. And I remember thinking to myself, I will never, ever have a relationship with someone at work. I reckon so many relationships at work happen because um, of the pure excitement element. And if those people were out of that workplace and they wouldn't even be interested in each other, it's just that kind of passionate, oh my God, it's a secret, we shouldn't be doing this, he's here and I'm bored to tears at work. So yeah, do you know what I mean? Definitely. I think there is there is an element of excitement. Yeah. If you're, yeah, you're in the office and you think, well, it's just something to look forward to. Like Gab says, like going in of a morning and then you think, yeah, whoever it is is going to be mm. there. And that's yeah, what can... worries me. Like that's, well, that's <laughs> why I'm to... so glad that George <laughs> works in the meat market. Yeah. The only thing he's having an affair with is a pack of chicken thighs. <laughs> uh, the only press he's getting out of is chickens. Yeah. <laughs> exactly oh that is so funny (laughs) yeah because it must be really tempting for men it must be like you're surrounded with these women all day like dressed up and having banter but it's all kind of untouchable 100% affairs in in the workplace are so common aren't they for that reason like they're so common yeah don't worry Kel you're alright because Warren works with one of our best (laughs) (laughs) I've told her to keep her eyes out yeah we've got a spy in the camp (laughs) and mine works in yeah (laughs) with with all men but Kel does that worry you do you do you think about that at all Kel especially when he comes home to me and Ottilie and I'm like I mean for the early months you're covered in baby sick and then for the later like you know as they get older you're just exhausted I've got a wine in my hand but uh, this past year what can I say we've been everyone's been working from home he's been here to see it all 
you know, happen and unfold. He's here with me all day, every day. He so would I... never anyway. Don't be silly. And can I just say, Kelly's version of not being dressed up is most people's versions of not dressed all. up. Right. <laughs> because she always looks well, glam. I'm really not so sure about that. But I think what whatever your situation, I think you can definitely feel insecurities when it comes to your relationship and other people. And like I say, I think when you've had children, especially so, I think that it comes down to you being like with the baby a lot of the time and changing, like you, you change as a, as a person and <laughs> you become a mum and whatever. Yeah, so, yeah. Jess is laughing again. Now she's now she's laughing yeah, at Gab with her blanket over her head. She's I can see the worry in Gab's face just increasing when you're saying that. Obviously, I've been talking about childcare recently as a topic, and I was thinking to myself, if I was ever privileged and lucky enough to be able to afford a nanny, I would never get a good-looking one. <laughs> That's just such a Gabby thing to say. I would say. literally put on the CV, must be unattractive. So, <laughs> I'm so just not surprised by you saying that. That's so true. Can you imagine? Not a chance in hell would you hire it. I'd literally, I'd literally open the door and be like, goodbye, and slam the door again. You're not coming no. in. So, girls, if you had to have your time over again, like, let's say let's say you could have your dream job, any job, like your dream, what would it be? Because I know mine has always been to be on the stage. I'd love to be a stage actress and be in the West End and be doing that, like, every night of the week. It's just my like, my absolute dream. And as a result, I wish I'd gone to drama school, but never mind, you live and learn. What about you girls? Mine would be, well, we all know, like, singing, acting, dancing. I love it all. But I think, yeah, I wish I had gone to drama school instead of uni because it would have given me the confidence that I've lacked for so many years. And I think, Mm -hmm. like, acting, so, like, but on TV, so, like... Yeah, like dramas or films. Like I loved acting growing up and always did exams in it and stuff like that. And I was told I was quite good. So I would love to explore that more and go down that road. But it's really hard coming from a reality background to ever be taken seriously. Um, But obviously I'm doing my tour this Mm. year, which is amazing. The theatre tour, which I can't wait for. So I'm really excited about that. And Gab, I feel like you'll have to kind of live through me with that a little bit. I will, babes. I'll be behind you. Mm. I'll be your understudy and you'll mysteriously break your leg the night before. <laughs> what, me? With a kid in tow. Um, but, yeah, that would be mine. What would be yours, Cal? We've discussed this, I think, before. Yeah, we have, and I do feel like I've... I For me, it's. I feel like I've had my dream job that, you know, was my dream at the time. I wanted to be in fashion. I wanted to do styling. I, I feel like throughout my career, if you like, I've... And throughout my working life, I've I've done lots of things that I wanted to do. Even, you know, whilst I was working there, I set up my own brand. I, you know, I went to China and sourced my own brand. I've done lots of things along the way. And to say I feel it's difficult to have it all would probably be true. And now I've had a child I feel like right now I'm actually enjoying, I've, I've set up my own business, you know, with with the cooking and doing like this yep. weekly meal service and it suits me at this point in my life. So right now I'm doing my dream job. I'm, I'm doing what I love with my cooking. Mm-hmm. It's something I was passionate about, but I never thought I would actually like be working in catering or cooking, but I actually love what I'm doing right now. I loved what I was doing when I was when I was working, you know, at Fly with re- retail, and I loved what I was doing, 
even when I left university and I was at House of Fraser and I was working and buying and merchandising, although I didn't see that ever really being my long-term career, although that was my degree. So I think, do you think your path has kind of led you to end yeah up to where doing I am? And I just, I, I do just think I, I like I often ask this question: Can we really have it all? I think as women who no. want to have a family, <laughs> I just, I do think it's difficult during this stage of my life now that I've had Ottilie to fulfil a successful career whilst having her. So I think it's great that I can do something I'm I'm working and I've got her and I'm and don't put her in any childcare at the moment so I like the fact that I think that's what this past year has taught me as well with spending so much time with her I I hadn't intended on doing that I was made redundant last year from my job and then I set up this business and I think I have actually really enjoyed that shift not I didn't then put her in nursery that's what I had intended to do and go straight back to work but because of the pandemic I didn't and you know that journey has taken me to where I am and actually I love what I'm doing and I love spending so much time with her and I think it it would but I like I'd love to hear from other people who think you can like do both at this stage of their life I'm not saying I won't achieve both ultimately because I do think there's more I think you know within my future and within the years to come I'm going to have another dream job I'm going to do more I don't and I'm driven by happiness I don't I would be lying if I said I'm not driven by money but my career choices have been out of enjoyment for my job rather than the pay packet for sure yeah I was saying to a friend the other day like when you do a car boot sale and you sell all your old crap and you make cash out of rubbish I love like that's like bonus for me you know that you get a thrill off of it I do and I think that comes from my sort of maybe like entrepreneurial spirit like feeling like I enjoy making money in that sense not to say Mm. I don't want you know a career and a, a monthly pay packet you know in the future I'm hoping to potentially get that again but I think time and stages of life like yeah they change your views and opinions on things and right now I'm sort of happy at the stage that I'm at doing what I'm doing oh yeah I feel an immense amount of anxiety about my maternity leave do you I really do yeah I just feel like it's massively gonna set me back which is really wrong I know that but I can't help but feel it. I'm almost feeling like, I said to George the other day, um, you know, I'm doing really well at work. I've been put on this. I've been I've been given this project, blah, blah, blah. And then I thought, I said to him, oh, if I wasn't going off now, you know, I could be doing this in six months' time and I could be doing this in a year's time. And I just all of a sudden felt an anxiety about the, mm. the setback that going on leave is going to cause me, which I know isn't right. Did you right, always think you'd but- feel like this? In in um, your line of work, I think it's quite common. Do you not? Like in, in yeah, your corporate environment, don't you think that this is how most people in your position would feel? Yeah, I suppose. And actually, I've seen, like, you know, there's a, quite a good at my work um, example of some really senior working mums who have a flexible working style, which is great. 
and it's really nice to see, but you know, I don't know. I just, do you know what my biggest fear is? Somebody covering my mat leave and being mm, better than me. That's always be like that is really bothering me in every single job. You could have like yeah, and yeah. I can totally see that as well. But what I will say, Gab, with you is, I don't think anyone can be bloody better than you. You're clearly very, very good at your job. Um, <laughs> so I don't think you'll be going oh, anywhere. These girls, they're so good to me. But it's the no, pressure, I know. Isn't it's it? just yeah. that kind of worry, isn't it, of trying to get back into the mix when you come back. It's like you feel like you're set back. You feel like someone else has been doing it a good job. For, you know, it's, it's all these say t- things that we know. Yeah, it is. Sorry, Gab, to interrupt you. I'd go on, Kat. I, I know I always say these things to you, and I say I don't want you to think that I'm preaching because I really don't. But like I've just explained, I do think your priorities change once you've had a baby. You feel differently about things and I'm not saying for one minute you'll feel differently about going back to your job I'm just saying you might feel differently about how others perceive you in your position you know because I think you relax about it yeah, a bit true. more like your yeah. priority is your is your <laughs> child it and and you know I I just think for lots of people and it, I, I might be generalizing here but I think for lots of people they have a shift and that's, I think, why so many women have a change of career or a change of lifestyle once they've had children because they find it is difficult to do what they were doing before, you know, and to, to keep that up. But I think yeah. this past year, girl, don't you think that our work-life balance has shifted massively and it has for so many people during the pandemic? For the better. For the better, definitely. And I think Massively. that helps. The rat race has kind of slowed, slowed down, down, isn't it? I think that helps to an extent when it comes to things like this, you know, when it comes to maternity leave and things, Gab. I think, yeah, that can only go in your favour. Yeah, yeah. So wrapping up then, girls, what are your tips for some of our listeners, like just general working life tips? Like, So mine, for example... I always say to people, never be afraid to ask questions when you're in a job or a working environment. I always, When I started out, I always thought to myself, I, do, I can't ask questions because I really look really silly and like, I don't know what I'm talking about. But actually, as you get older, you kind of realise that the most intelligent people are the ones that ask the questions. That's a really good tip. I yeah, always think definitely. that. Definitely, you can always learn from asking a question, can't you? So, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and that you don't look silly, you look ambitious, you look eager, you look like you want to follow what's going on in the room. And I just think, I always say that to people, never be afraid. Like when people apologise around me at work, I'm sorry. And I'm like, never apologise for asking a question. It only shows, you know, eagerness. I think mine's going to be a massive cliche, but it's do what you love. I know that I'm probably saying that from my position because I'm fortunate enough to have been able mm. to do that whether it be, but I also feel like I like we said at the beginning I've always worked hard from when I was 14 my parents said go out and get a job or always earn your own money and I did from that point onwards and I think if you can do what you love then you'll make a success of it yeah so do something that makes you happy yeah if you're not happy move on totally agree with you and that kind of is yeah. similar to mine but mine is Never give up because you are capable of doing anything that you want to do. You just have to put your mind to it and not let people tell you you can't. And I think you just have to, like, I had my job when I was, like, a corporate job until I was 25 and I went home to my mum and I was like, I just want to sing and I just want to do all this stuff and I'm scared of my life passing by and me not doing it. And she was like, 
obviously luckily I lived at home and stuff so my outgoings weren't massive she was like quit the job you only live once just go for it and I did and that's what's led me into doing similar to what I've always dreamt of doing like I've sung I've done all this and that you know like obviously whatever it might be but um yeah I think anything's possible don't settle it's so nice that you had that support from your parents, Jess, because I think that's that's a massive driver of your career, I think, when you're younger, is your parents' support, their feedback, their point of view on yeah. what you should do. So do you think when you're mm -hmm. a mum that you would say to your kids the same advice? Would you say just do what you want to yeah, do? Yeah, I would, within wanna... reason. Like if, if, they were, if they had a really unrealistic expectation, I might be like, listen here, kid. You sound like a drowned rat, <laughs> strangled cat even. Yeah, no, but sing. like, yeah, like within reason. I totally, I hope that we're in a position where I can say like, but then at the same time, I don't want them thinking they're getting a free ride and like, you know, they'll be, you know, they'll have to work for it. And also like, it's not just a yeah. case of, oh, I don't want to study, so I'm not going uni. Like it will depend on what their capabilities are and what their dreams are. Yeah. So I'd kind of be a bit in between, I guess. Yeah, because I suppose there is part, it's like ambition, but also reality of what you're set up to do. It's like you can have the biggest, best ambition in the world to be a singer. If you're tone deaf, it's just not going to happen, yeah, is but it? I feel like that wouldn't so be the I case. Guess... Like, if they're really tone deaf, they'd know. Do you know what I mean? Or you'd just be like, <laughs> It depends check, quite how right. tone deaf they are. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like I feel like I would want my kids to just do what they want to do. And yeah, I just would try and encourage them to do what they love. I think there's a lot more opportunity for the the next generations Absolutely, to come isn't yeah. there then you know they can do like they talk about being youtubers at school nowadays and influencers and all like the rest of it it's that, just... which i also i'm scared about i don't want my kids to be that either like like aspire to be an influencer because i think by then it's going to be such a saturated industry and also mm. it's not really realistic I, mm. I, I know it is because people have like addison ray for instance she's a tiktok star she's got 38 million followers on twitter and yeah. she's uh, instagram and she's now like best friends with the kardashians and does like how she's got her own singles out she's got an album out and all this she's like i think she's not even 20 maybe i'm not sure and it's like she did that from getting going viral on tiktok from just doing dances and silly videos and stuff i mean that's mental but that is also very very a one-off kind of situation in millions and millions yeah. of kids and I suppose, do you know what I mean? i'm assuming she can sing so she's not yeah you know got to where she is just because she can tiktok you know because now she's yeah really but i don't think i don't think her tiktoks were singing though if i remember rightly i think they were just like little kind of spoof dances but um i don't know but yeah so it's a mad world that we live in so i think by the time that we do you know our children are making decisions about their careers things might be even more different but i think that's a good way to round up this podcast and i think that was very interesting well done girls <laughs> i feel like we should have the uh, nine to five theme tune playing <laughs> yeah, as we as we, as we lead out bye